Hello, everyone. It is the 12th. Uh, wow, way to fuck that up. Doing it live. Uh, it is the 14th of December of 2022, and we're here to do our next little step in the call of Christmas for this year. So the question I will pose to you is, what is truly the difference between ho, ho, ho and ia, ia? You know? Both chance to invoke eldritch beings and mysterious powers, I guess. Our scene opens up as one of the household staff, the cook, uh, Geraldine, is coming out of the kitchen with a large trough of soup and carrying it past the table. We walk up one side where at the foot of the table is Reverend Green. To his left is the young Claudia, her troubled mother, Deirdre, Professor Michael, Dorothy, and then sitting, at, of course, at the head of the table in his customary chair is the Commodore himself, which is where uh, Geraldine Cook stops and puts the soup service down on a little tray and begins to serve. For To the Commodore's left is Cecil, his young boy. Next to him is Emmanuel. A curiously empty chair sits between Emmanuel and Edith. And then to Edith's left is once again, the Reverend Green. Soups are poured and have begun to be passed around. This is a... I probably should have made up a menu for this, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you should have. So even, the, even the menu has the option to like cause insanity in us. It's curious that I Google soups of ni- soups in 1920, and the picture at the top of the page is a avocado is not a soup and not something I would expect the people to eat in 1920. They have gazpacho in 1920? I don't know. But Cotton came to the, the rescue here. Sort of came to the rescue here. No. <laughs> it was the fast version. Maybe I should not look at the fancy people's menu. Uh, he sent me a menu for the Titanic. Oh, nice. Perfect. Right? Because this ship's going down! I don't know why it just came to mind. I mean, it's it's appropriate. It's all in point. Um, so Geraldine Cook begins to portion out this uh, race-based soup. Little veggies in there. Not much, because again, this is 1920s time, and it's mostly brothy and root vegetables that kind of make up some sort of substance. Begins to, to pass it out. Um Sitting around awkwardly at the table, Dorothy, and in particularly the Reverend, have been giving glances to the empty chair next to you, Emmanuel. Emmanuel doesn't say a word. Yeah. He acts as if absolutely nothing is wrong other than being seated at a table surrounded by people he hates, seated next to somebody he especially hates, and they're serving soup. And he doesn't feel like soup tonight. Do you wave off uh, the servant? No, he'll still have the soup poured. Okay. He's just kind of looking at it there. Like his, his silverware is still on either side of the plate. He's got his hands on, on the table on either side. He's just kind of looking at it, kind of contemplating the soup with a just completely stone face. Yes, do you have any thoughts about the empty chair that you are sat next to? Or the reverend? 
you know, I think the the Reverend would probably ask, are we still waiting for one as he sees the soup being served? Like, oh, you know, like, should we wait for our final guest? Kind of. A hint of a smirk on Cecil's face. Oh, Cecil's a jerk. Emmanuel will clear his throat and say, that isn't necessary. It was a rather late change. Didn't have time to inform people, but um, she won't be joining us this year. Something else had come up. Unfortunately, it was very sudden, very important. And so I bid her go be with her family rather than come here. Oh, was that the news? I'm sorry there, uh, nephew. I, I I just heard some other things. I guess it's my own fault for listening to uh, baseless rumors. Yes, well, that isn't all that surprising, now is it? Uncle. Lightly. Ever so slightly larger spark. I feel like this is our first sanity attack of the evening. And that Emmanuel may... Oh, I, I see some... Good, good. Uh, almost. Oh, no, I'll, I just can't read. Cool. Emmanuel's jaw will clench, but he's going to let it slide. For now. Soups are passed around, and Geraldine begins to take the service away so that the next course can be prepared to be brought out. Light conversation is made. Uh, Emmanuel, your brother does ask how things have been in order to move conversation elsewhere from your home life to more of your professional life. He'll uh, takes the opening. Absolutely. Um, you know, his business is, he's very proud of it. Oh, yes, the, uh, the corner drugstores have been doing very well this year. With the prohibition, everybody is turning their attentions toward away from uh, the vagaries and sins of drinking to uh, personal health. And the uh, the Roxfall tonic that we sell is extremely popular. It cures many, many ailments, and we can't keep it on the shelf. I'm going to have to purchase additional real estate in order to create another facility just to create the tonic. It has been um, truly the source of great wealth for me personally. It's fascinating to hear, by the way. I'm curious what you've done with all these profits to better enrich your community, your fellow man. Hmm. Well, I'm certain it pays for the uh, scholarships of various communists and vagrants and layabouts. Um, remind me, what's your major again? Something about basket weaving? <laughs> no, I know it's changed a few times, but right now it is in economics. There's just, it's a fascinating field that's really about history and how, you know, the people are going to have finally pure, actual democracy. Not just in politics, but in their places of work and places of business. Exciting times. Manuel looks confused. Like, straight up, what the hell are you talking about? Confused. And he'll say, uh, right. Sure. Yes. Democracy in the workplace and voting. Um, certainly. Anyway, brother, how is the practice? How is, how is, um, how are things? 
Well, you would think by now that they would stop calling it a practice. He makes the same joke that he makes all the time. He laughs. Like, I, I think of, of everybody here, like, he, he doesn't detest his brother. He tolerates his brother. And I think that's the closest thing to love that Emmanuel is going to be able to show, especially, like, right now with the empty chair next to him. And uh, how about Claudia? Is she following in your footsteps? And he will turn to look directly at Claudia. Well, you caught me wiping at my ma- my mother's face. She was just kind of doing a little dribble of her soup. Uh, uh, no, no, Uncle. Um, I, I don't think that I have a head for that. Oh, well, that's a shame. You wouldn't be any worse at it than the old Cecil here. <laughs> My eyes get big and round. Ah, it's good to see your sense of humor is still intact after all all that's happened. I just took psychic damage from that. Holy shit. The Commodore sits at the head of the table and doesn't say much, but he does watch this exchange go down. He watches as his grandsons, Emmanuel and uh, Professor uh, and Michael, begin trading the most pleasant and frankly non-inflammatory conversation of the night and then his boy Cecil is doing nothing but antagonizing him or them for his backwards beliefs and Cecil you get an eyeball from your father uh, that you are very familiar with getting when you start talking about strange ideas like safe work environments. He'll take a deep breath inhale and kind of focus back on his food. The Commodore seems pleased with this. Dorothy, your mother, and his new wife looks over to Edith, where she is sat next to the Reverend, and just gives you a, a big, warm smile followed with it. It must be quite worrisome to have this be your your last Christmas with family. Are you excited about going to the to the convent? Edith will flash a, a sour look at the Commodore first, just real quick, and then look back at the person who spoke to her and said, I I find that the world doesn't have any other option, so whether or not I'm excited is irrelevant. The Reverend takes this moment to come into the conversation that he wasn't involved in. The good Lord provides for all of his children at their time of need. Manuel will turn to look at the, at the Reverend. Really Reverend, how so? Well, you're, uh, hold on, I got to check the cousin, cousin, well, your poor cousin here was having many problems finding her way in the world, but through the Lord's light, we have found the place for her. Really? Well, what's your denomination again? Was it um, five, ten, or twenty dollars? Edith will shoot him a dirty look. There's no reason to be rude to the guest. Sleeves will twirls and almost chugs on the soup. Lord accepts all and any that come his way. 
Amen, Father. He gives you a big smile, Claudia. Just as, like, look at the youth today. And I just beam right across at him, and then at Edith. She's going to roll her eyes and look down at her soup and take another uh, slurp of it. One of those big, obnoxious slurps. Mm Mm-hmm. Dorothy does flinch a little bit at the manners that are on display by by Edith with her slurping, but says nothing because that would be impolite. Stoops finished. Geraldine comes back out with an empty trolley to collect bowls and silverware from people, refresh napkins for anyone who needs it, and to prepare to bring out the next little course. She starts with a couple little baskets of uh, like freshly baked bread and begins to put them around with a little accoutrement for them. Um, some lard, some little broth for dipping, that kind of thing. After a moment, she once again leaves and you are all left to each other's devices again. Emmanuel will uh reach out for his little loaf of bread and the accoutrement and just kind of set it on his plate and he's uh, he should use the knife to open it but he just kind of like pokes a thumb in like he's almost got like a thousand yard stare like maybe he thinks this loaf of bread is like Cecil's head and he's shoving his thumb into the eye just like split it open so he can butter it but at least he's not being a jerk ass so Small mercies. The smallest of mercies. Dorothy will speak up. Cecil's mother. While we have had all of this conversation about what everyone else is preparing to do with their their big life events, uh, Cecil, why don't you go ahead and tell them about your, your plans that you're planning on? Oh, um, <clears throat> of course, mother. Um Pretty proud of it, actually. I've been spending a lot of time uh, observing down at the local shoe factory. And I've just been – it's its an education that's on the same level as what I'm getting from the books. So I think they, they dovetail together so perfectly. And I just want to get involved with their, with their union and help them succeed in forming it, coming together. Workers working for each other. You know, getting back – he'll kind of like shoot an eye at his father. You know, the um, – how would I put it? The you know, the 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 excess that's often skimmed from the top by you know, wave his hands. You know, various people, but you know, that's your what father, I want to be a part of. Your father chokes a little bit on his wow. bread throughout that conversation oh, as you wow. begin. Um, father, is, is something wrong with the bread? I can get Geraldine to bring it back and replace it immediately. Your mom gets up and pats you know, him she, on the back as he takes uh, a, a drink of his water to. To clear his throat. Uh, uh, Gerald, uh, is she in the room, or is she? Uh, uh, is she she can very quickly be in the room with a little ringeting-ding of a bell. Yeah, so what, he'll, he'll like reach over to his father's if, if wherever the bell is, and give him a ring. Gerald, need some some more water for my father. He's choking. Please, he's having some trouble. Right away, of course. And she <laughs> comes out with a little pitcher uh, and serves. Because that's that's her role in life is to serve, um, as it should be. <laughs> I mean, that's what you are when you're the servant class, you know. Right. 
um, after he has cleared his his throat, he will address Sissel. The the unions down there are nothing but trouble. They don't know how good they have it. I, I know, Father. I I know, and I'm not saying they're all perfect. I'm just saying it's you know it's just a group of people. They want to get together and accomplish things. That's the ideal. Again, I I understand some things, and did you see the history? Not the ideal, and they've gone awry. That's a point taken. They do nothing but steal money from the common man. They charge you dues to belong to something that you don't need to belong to, that you can simply work. (sighs) I guess I wouldn't impress you with average wages for those in a union versus those not in a union. Every man working for me gets a living wage. Everybody has been satisfied with it. They come to me if they feel they need more. We sit down and we have a talk about it. Getting together, unionizing. What's next? Are you going to unionize the waitstaff here who have been wiping your bottom for the past 20 years? Look, this is. There's no need to make the political personal, okay? Well, as long as we're on flights of fancy, I feel like it, it needs to be said. How far are you are you looking to go with this godless communism? There's a <laughs> from the other end as the reverend was also eating and you brought up godless communism and oh. he is uh, not prepared for such a blasphemous statement. Well, I didn't well, quite. Oh, I was going to say that, that's a uh, interesting tack with a guy who just cracked on our guest at the end of the table. What you're truly saying is you don't have a response to that. I'm just saying there's basic civil debate that is disinterested amongst family, and there's taking personal shots at dinner guests at Christmas. Yes, and you wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Uncle. Uh, There's anything about debating. (laughs) Well, if the peanut gallery hasn't chimed in. Oh, please, Cecil, he's right as much as I hate to say it. You sit here, you're waited on hand and foot for everything, and yet you sit here and and talk about these people as if you're going to do something to save them or help them. And what do you do? You just talk. You don't do anything. No, I would say talk has done a a lot sort of in the course of human events. Four score and... However many years ago it was, and and whatnot. It obviously won Gettysburg. Using the words of great men does not make you a great man. Well, I don't know what it takes to be a great woman, but going to a convent, I'm sure. Well, how many have come out of there? She's going (sighs) to slam her silverware onto the table. If you'll all excuse me for a moment, she's going to step into the water closet to calm down. You know, I'm sorry my temper got away from me. It's just... You know, I come here, I come home, I imagine it's a place of repose and rest, and then suddenly it's just... (sighs) Knives out for me. (laughs) Why don't we all commit ourselves to a bit more civility? I, for one, am glad to be home. I I have certainly missed uh, dear Geraldine's bread. This is, it's like heaven, Grandpapa. Thank you. 
it's still warm. As if she had just finished baking it but a few hours ago. <sighs> See, some positivity. Maybe we should uh, try to circle back around that. Some of us more than others. Claudia, there is a brief moment as you're complimenting the bread that Geraldine does drop another little roll on your plate as she begins to come out and bust and clean up the the second course. And I just give her a very demure little wink because I just love her. She's so sweet. Way better than my real mom. Very possible, especially given that your real mom is currently struggling and getting crumbs all over herself. Let me help you with that, mother. Emmanuel hasn't eaten a bite. Like when the when Geraldine comes around to clean his plate, like the the loaf has been entirely mangled and like torn. But he hasn't eaten a bite of it. His his knife is slightly used, but it looks like it almost put like a cut in the porcelain the way that Emmanuel was using it. He's still stone faced. As Geraldine cleans the second course and prepares to bring out the, the next one. Uh, I'm going to cut over to Edith in the water closet. Uh, how's she doing? Is that where she went? or Where did she leave? Yeah, that's where, where she, she, she went. She went to the water closet. She's just, you know, splashing some cold water in her face, trying to calm down. Yeah. Cecil, just the privileged little ass just infuriates her. Uh, but she won't stay there too long. She's just going to kind of few breaths, calm down, freshen up, and she'll go back to the table without saying anything to anyone. She'll just sit back in her chair and go right back to it. Just quietly and simply sit back down at your seat. And uh, as you are coming back to the conversation, the Reverend has picked up on Cecil's talking point and is naming off a couple of different sisters and mothers that have been through the convent, in particular uh, the one that you're the one that you're going to, I was about to say committed to, but that's not quite the right the right statement. Um, and how they they do lots of good work for the community. Many of them run soup kitchens or work in hospitals, or help to manage orphanages throughout the city. Yes, when it comes to charity, they've done great works. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll fully drink to that. I can appreciate some good works, some people caring about those they have no direct relation to. Seems hmm, so appealing. Yes, they are truly doing the Lord's work, and helping those less fortunate than themselves, which should be a great many people with how fortunate you have been. Cecil will take a big breath as as if he's expecting something. When he sees that his his shot didn't land, he's like, "Mm, well, let that go and just kind of like go back to making sure that his table setting is clear because uh, he thought he had you there. Clearly, he did not. Youth these days. Indeed. Their heads full of things like unions and democracy. Power to the people. Power to the people now. 
This is this is about kings of industry. Um, Emmanuel will clear his throat. <clears throat> Reverend, I admit I don't know much about the um, um, your your congregation. Why don't you tell us a bit more about what you and and, and Edith are are working on about your um, your church, your cathedral? I'm not sure. Uh, tell us more about yourself. Well, as you know, with the recent passing of Prohibition and the saving of souls from the devil's liquor, we have had no end of people that needed our help. And that is where we've been focusing our efforts recently. It's been far too long where people have been suffering the evils of alcohol. Yes, I agree. I agree. The uh, truly, the passing of prohibition has been the most moral and beneficial legislation that the country has passed since, oh, the Articles of Confederation, I suppose. Indeed. Great, Auntie Edith. Have you been called to help the drunks? I'm called to do whatever the convent wishes me to do, and if that is assisting with people who have fallen prey to illegal spirits, then that is what I will do. But I'm not sure that this new law is good for our country. Truly, how so? By banning true spirits, people are turning to dangerous concoctions that they're making themselves. We have seen, and she'll kind of indicate to the reverend there, we have seen several men come in blinded by the the wood grain alcohol that, that they're cooking themselves. Well, I'm surprised to hear you say that. I, I figured you'd have been on the front lines with that, smashing the bourbon barrels. I mean, I, I'm not saying there's no cost to the policy, but I've seen so many... Strong-backed working men with families weakened by the poisons of alcohol. Sometimes it almost seems like a like a plot. So I have to say I agree with uh, with everyone else here. To our all equal surprise, I would say that uh, yes, I, I think this is probably best. But but go ahead, you how 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 you know how, how do you respond to the rampant alcoholism, the destruction of families? That's been going on up till now. Well, if somebody is predisposed to drink alcohol, find out what makes them wish to do that and find a better solution or teach them more moderation. I don't think it's to just take it away completely because people will still find a way to imbibe. I think that's the devil talking in them. Right, Reverend? Quite, quite. Please, my child. It is not such a simple thing. I don't. Uh, maybe you'll understand when you're older. Perhaps. And I just give her like a wry smile across the table because I really think that you don't understand anything, Edith. No, but tell me, Cecil, where did you meet these uh, poor victims of alcohol and what have you done to assist them? Emmanuel will nod once, like she's saying what I was thinking. 
well, again, at the at the local shoe factory, there had been a foreman there uh, who had uh, had done well for himself and was key to some of my organizing efforts. And then he just didn't show up. I was like, well, you know, what happens? People get sick or they, they have a family emergency. Uh, and, and he was unable to make contact. But I went to go see him, and he was just lousy with the booze. I could barely even stand in front of him. Every time he spoke, it just rolled over me. And seeing what it did to him and his family, in those empty bottles, the money sapped from his wallet, sapped from his family, sent to some capital, uh, look at his father, some business owner, who knows what this poison does. You know, I mean, the world could probably be fine with the occasional glass of wine, you know, some, some brandy at Christmas, but the destruction it's caused to so many people, the lives it's limited, it's just, I just can't seem to justify it anymore. I'm sorry, perhaps you didn't hear my question. What did you do to help the man? Oh, well, uh, and he'll, he'll scramble for a second. I, uh, you know, I, I went to him and I told him all these things about the, you know, the importance of his family and how this was killing him. And I, I took those bottles and I poured them out. And then I came to him day after day to check up on how he was doing. By the way, this is a complete and, you know, Total lie, but yeah, 100%, yes. So I don't know if there's a role involved. So words. Words is what you did. That's all. What would you have me done? Bash the bottle over the back of his head until until he he got the shakes and he got over it? I don't know. Perhaps take him to church for prayer. Mm. We'll see. He'll say offering. Let's point at you. Uh, the Reverend does point over at Cecil when you bring up the mm-hmm. taking him to church. Mm, I see no right. reason to trade an alcohol for an opiate. <laughs> now, who's insulting our guest? I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> you do get a little nudge under the table from your mother with a stern look. <sighs> Everyone's so interested in what I think. Well, I have to say, I appreciate it. Maybe you'll learn something. You know, again, we I've just come back from university, the source or the, the a collection of so much of the world's knowledge. You should keep an open mind. Yes, the university next to the shoe factory. Yes. Mm. The shoe yes. factory you work at when the man didn't come in and you found him lousy with the drink. Well, I, I don't work there per se. I, I've... I mean, I have, I have, did move some leather that one time when that guy had his, uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, Simmons, Simmons, I think Simmons. Yes, he was moving these boxes of, of, of like some type of leather, and I helped him move some. But generally, I'm there to help organize the people and let them know what they're capable of. And the factory owner, he's all right with this. He's gonna like stare at him. He's gonna stare at him blankly and be like, uh, you know, I mean. What, what's it to him? It's it, does, does he own their ears? So I talk. He can talk to them about how bad whatever I'm saying is. I can talk to them about how good what I'm saying is. Perhaps, but you don't actually work at this factory, correct? I've, I've been to work at the factory. What work have you done at the factory? Again, there was the, there was the boxes of the leathers. I thought I've, I thought I've explained this. I just keep going back in circles. So you've you've moved a, a box of leather at the factory. It was one thing that I've. It was the one thing that I've done at that particular moment that I 
disdained to bring up. I mean, and what are you? Are you on the line filling up your bottles? Yes. Cecil, as a matter of fact, I am. I am working with the chemists to make sure they have the freshest ingredients and everything that they need in order to make the tonic. I have mixed the tonic with my own hands. I have gone to the wilds of Africa to speak with the shamans in the dark heart of the continent to make sure that the recipe that they have passed down from their forefathers is accurately recreated here. And I have touched every portion of the manufacturing process. I have been to all of my stores. What have you done? Well, so you say you've you've made all these concoctions up. I'm curious, what is it? What is this miracle drug or concoction or chemical or, or boiled root or steamed leaf that you've somehow captured and changed the health of the country? Not the health of the country, just the corner drugstores of the Northeast. And it is a tonic. And it is a tonic that's been created, as, as you've said. There are certain roots that have been grown in the wilds of Africa, and I have purchased the land in an appropriate location in order to grow my own. I engage and pay a, a fair, good wage to the indigenous peoples there to handle my agriculture. <clears throat> the, uh, the boats and the shipping is part of the family business. I have leveraged my contacts, and of course, those seamen all get a good wage. None of them want for anything, except perhaps additional time at uh, at shore leave when the ships come in. There is a almost proud look on the Commodore's face when you talk about the family business and shipping. And yet, when a few of the workers want to get together in an organized way, the same way your people do for your corporation. Corporation, corp, Latin, body. Right? Few people want to get together and make a body of their own. You are so overwhelmed with concern for them that you what? Ban it? Heavily discourage it? It's discouraged only in the time that the time that when they are on the clock and supposed to be working. I ask that they should be working. Do I ban this talk? No. None of them have the need to speak about it because they are all treated fairly. Their families are cared for. When they are sick, they are cared for. If they are injured, we have doctors on staff to get them patched up and working again. If they are crippled insofar that in my operations, very few people are because there's not that much heavy lifting. But should a box fall on a leg and the man's leg is shattered, he is given a pension and his family does not want. Well, then in that case, you run by, all, by your own account for what it's worth. Just a tip-top operation. Unfortunately for so many in the country, many are not. You may indeed be the angel capitalist, in which case I appreciate your existence. But, unfortunately, I have to say, the host of angels is not quite what he used to be. Perhaps not, Cecil, but it was my perhaps untoward hope that you would be able to follow in grandfather's footsteps and put your hands upon the shipping business and see how America actually works instead of sitting in a dusty library with apparently now economics textbooks, believing that rabble-rousing with the common man, turning their attention away from providing a living to their families is the right thing to do. Well, we'll speak up. Uh, 
No, Emmanuel, that's that is not fair. Your uncle is working on emboldening his mind. A snort of a laugh from Edith. As well as Claudia. And she shoots daggers at Edith for like laughing at the same thing. Beat you to the snark and they just, just can't have that. Well, thank you for saying that. And uh well, I get it. I get it. My 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 nephew here has a lot of strong opinions, you know, about family. Who can blame him? Geraldine begins to bring out the main course. Is there wine on the table? Uh, I feel like there would be a bottle of like sac, like air quotes sacramental wine that's lurking yeah. around on one of the. Um, one of the pieces of furniture in the room. I also see there being a bottle of brandy that is floating around in here on the same thing with probably a few other spirits on it. Just as like a, these were nice bottles and things that were in a collection that have not yet gotten drunk with the recent passing of Prohibition. Well, yeah, because if you had it before the law enacted, you get to have it. You just can't sell it. Uh, exactly. So yeah, Edith's gonna grab uh, the wine and she's gonna pour a, a big glass. Daniel's gonna say nothing. He he doesn't drink alcohol, but he does eye Edith filling that filling that glass. And if it gets passed he, around, Cecil will also take a a, a generous pour. Uh, Dorothy and the Reverend also give Edith a look of. Uh, Interest, I guess, is the the word. It's to seeing how she handles this, you know, bottle of booze. Uh, Deirdre is still working on her role, and Professor Michael, or I guess I could just call him Michael, is uh, buttering it and trying to get it into small pieces for her to easily eat. The main course is brought out. It is. Uh, Roast beef, big sloppy brown gravy, boiled potatoes, and corn. And it begins to be served. Michael will get Geraldine's uh, attention when she comes by and asks that in a quiet, reserved voice for Deirdre's plate to be taken into the back and the pieces cut up smaller and for an additional spoon to be brought out for her ease of eating. Dorothy, sitting next to Michael, is easily able to hear this, and anybody else who wants to hear it can, can hear that as well. I feel like Emmanuel's heard this several times. Uh, he and his brother have maybe not discussed this matter at length, but he's definitely aware of what's going on, so he's surprisingly not going to comment on it. No, Edith heard it, but she won't say anything. That's It'd be very bad to to say anything bad about this poor woman who's obviously got some condition. Yes, well, I'm sure that the lobotomy scar is hid very well under her hair. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> you laugh. You dare laugh. I'll laugh the way you said it. I'm not laughing at what you said. <laughs> Didn't they at that time go through the nose? Oh, for a lobotomy? 
Yeah, I think that then they did the nose in the 1920s. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, Cecil, did you see that character sheet? Did a big thing pop up in your face? No. How did you lose your character sheet again? I don't think I've ever had it. You don't see a... Never mind, an F and knock weed... I don't know, E-P-H... So insane if you can't roll for insanity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which, which, by the way, we should be dinking down everybody who's making sanity rolls at each other's obnoxiousness. Uh, yes, I'll make it uh, in player's journal. Nope, that's I, I got a journal and it's blank. I'll put that. So that's that's what I'm dealing with. If we succeed on a sanity, we just lose one, then, right? Or is it correct? All right. If we fail, we'll lose more. Yep. Right, or if it's by somebody that it exceptionally aggravates you. I mean, he's he's doing doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry that you all hate equality. <laughs> what situation is aggravating you? <laughs> all of you. <laughs> wow. They are the worst. <laughs> what is that? What is what? Okay. It said syntax error. I fixed it. Good job. What wow. does this mean? Did I extremely successful? Wow, look at you. I don't think she should lose anything for that. Uh, yeah, you are extremely successful in that regard. Although I don't know why your your sanity should not be 99. It says what what should it be? It's equal to your power, so you put it in the box right before the 99. Loser. <laughs> now you're going to roll some dice to lose some sanity. Yeah, just a little little d4 will, will satisfy me for now. Cotton, did you get that sheet that time? I mean, no, like when you're saying about getting something, I guess I'm, I should be like, so it, it should be apparent, 20. right? Yeah, in roll 20, it should yeah. pop up on your table. Can you see the big table setting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Cecil, Commodore, Dorothy, Square. Oh, I guess we can fight with this after the fact, but I, <laughs> okay. almost, I almost feel like it's there in front of you. And I, I, I guess okay, if, if if you say I just say this, if you're saying if it's there in front of you, it should be like super apparent. Otherwise, it, I, I don't know, you know. But you or, just have like minimized or something. Anyway, back to dinner as the main course is brought out and everyone has the opportunity to, uh. Enjoy the fresh, well, not baked, but uh, enjoy the freshly made dinner. The gravy smells wonderful. It's very aromatic for, you know, 1920s, or at least it's what you people think that aromatic things smell like. Um, <clears throat> Dorothy compliments Geraldine as she comes by with it, saying that it smells wonderful. And Geraldine just gives a simple but polite smile with a, with a thank you and a, and a nod. Um, she dishes out the Commodore first, as she has been doing all night, and as is proper and right, and begins to make sure everybody is served. The Reverend looks very excited at this meal, because it's you know a big heaping pile of potatoes and gravy and all kinds of good stuff. And uh, seems to wait until the Commodore begins eating before he eats anything. You know, the host and all. A minute or two will go by as I imagine everyone picks up their forks and knives and begins to 
actually have dinner or the dinner part of dinner. And Geraldine will come back out with a plate that is had all of the things on it cut up into a much smaller portion size and goes to Michael and just leans in, trying to be as discreet as she possibly can. Is this is this small enough? Is this okay? And he's just, yeah, that's that's quite all right. And he puts it down in front of her and begins to let Claudia eat while trying to get Deirdre to partake of the food that's in front of her. Emmanuel is, is quietly cutting his roast beef, and then he'll look up and finally say, um, Michael, Claudia, Deirdre, um, do you do you feel Deirdre would be more comfortable eating in private? I don't want to make her uncomfortable. Um, I I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think that Mother has really been looking forward to this, haven't you, Mother? And I just tap on her leg. She looks over to you and just gives a smile. Perhaps you are one of the only things that she truly remembers or you know gets through to her on occasion. But she's she just smiles and a little bit of gravy comes out the corner of her mouth. Which your father gently I wanna gently wipe it away from her. I, I hate to see her like this. How much of her mother does Claudia Ruck remember that is not this? Well, she was a lot of fun when when I was little. Like she didn't start really kind of losing it until I was like I want to say eight or nine. Before then, she was great. She she's the one that taught me how to um, how to use a thread and needle. In an effort to distract from things, the Reverend will will speak up. The has this been a long-standing tradition for all of you to to meet together like this on on the most blessed of holidays? Yes, every year, as long as I can remember. Yes, it is one of our traditions. Mm, well, there were a few years where I wasn't here. I was uh, overseas in France, you see, the Signals Battalion, during the um, the Great War. He does not expound on that any further. Uh, Edith, mm. well, look at the Reverend say this is uh, probably like her only her second time. This is like the second time I've uh, been included in this family tradition. Before this, I would be usually with my own family for the holidays. And at that, she'll get a little sad and she'll take a sip of wine. Is she going to be hitting that wine pretty hard? She's going to sip. She's not going to guzzle. She's going to sip like she's supposed to. She's going to finish that glass of wine. Of course, guzzling would be very unladylike. Mm-hmm. How fast she finishes is inversely proportional to how much Cecil talks. <laughs> <laughs> the, Cecil, the Cecil ratio? Yeah, the Cecil ratio. Like the golden hour, but it's the Cecil hour. Cool. Uh, is there any conversation or now that the main course itself has been served that has that garnered most people's attention. Doesn't need to be conversation. I'm just making sure I give it the, like that wine, giving it room to breathe. Right. Um, so Emmanuel's just been kind of pushing his food around on his plate. And um, he has actually not eaten anything tonight. Like it all looks good, it all smells good. He's sure of it, but he just he hasn't been interested in eating. He's just been kind of 
almost thousand yards staring. His mind is clearly on other things. Geraldine comes back out to refresh drinks and will stop by conveniently able to lean over that empty chair next to you. And just, is, I'm sorry, sir, is everything okay? Yes, everything is fine. Thank you. Could I, could I bring you something else? No, I'm fine. Thank you. This is delicious. Yes, of, of course. And as she leaves, there's a small one of those er, as the chair that is empty for your wife not being here uh, just squeaks ever so slightly as she bumps into it and embarrassed uh, walks off towards back into the kitchen where she belongs. Yeah, the you know that that vein that pops in the side of your head, like it there's that slow roll of it when the chair squeaks. Just enough to make everybody look over at you. Which Cecil will do. Give him kind of like the wide eyes. Like, hmm. Does anybody have anything they want to say at dinner, or should I move along to dessert? Yeah, I think I'm all right. Indeed. It's delicious. <laughs> as uh, as the main course is brought to a close, Geraldine once again buses down the table, takes all of the things, and then returns shortly with a plum pudding with sweet sauce. And seeing that the bottle of wine has already been opened, she will make to pour, uh, make to pour for those that are interested. Emmanuel will wave her away, hand over the goblet type of thing when she comes around. It's like, I'm fine, thank you. Cecil uh, will do whatever the Commodore does. Well, the Commodore, of course, gets poured first. Uh, actually, you know what? No, he doesn't get wine. Wine will get offered to everyone, and then she will come back around with a little sniffer of brandy and uh, serve him from that. In that case, yeah, Cecil will get some wine. <laughs> How very quickly things change. Yeah. Sure. Uh, everyone is served. Everyone who wants booze can have it. Uh, Michael will take a bourbon. Deirdre will take nothing. Uh, Dorothy takes nothing. And the Reverend, of course, takes takes nothing of spirits, claiming that he has no room for alcohol when he's filled with the spirit of the Lord. It's a little more freedom for the moment to be able to, to speak without being rude. Uh, does anyone have anything they want to bring up now that alcohol has been served? Emmanuel will look at at the Reverend and at Edith, because Edith has been hit in the glass, and he did notice, but he didn't say anything. And he will say, uh, Reverend Edith, I am curious. You, your Your denomination takes communion, does it not? He, of course, nods as though, yes, yes, that's mm. frequently and regularly. Mm, I see, I see. And how how has, profession hasn't affected that at all, has it? He looks almost confused as to why would it? Oh, there's because been you no, have to... There's been no interruption in services? Oh, I see. Well, it just seems strange is all, because... Wine is wine, despite its its use. So it was merely an idle curiosity. Communion is not wine. Communion is the blood of Christ. It's a it's a spiritual thing. Perhaps 
if you would like, you can come down and we can better instruct you in the ways of our Lord. I appreciate the offer, Reverend, but I do not require instruction in anything. We all could require some more instruction. Not me, thank you. Although he will look over at Claudia at the mention of instruction. Although that does cause me to ask, Claudia, are you looking at going to finishing school soon, or what What are your plans for the coming years? Uh, I certainly would would like to. Um, whatever, whatever father thinks is best, really. What do you think that your father thinks is best? Well, he definitely doesn't want me to live the life that I'm trying to live. So True. he would probably want the whole finishing school. And do you think he's trying to find me a husband already? Oh, you know, part of me thinks that he. Part of me thinks that he was considering someone for the husband role. But when your mom's condition took the word. uh took a turn that kind of not necessarily fell through, but has definitely been backburnered into something a little less important for, at least for the moment. Is he going to try and push me into like a nursing situation so I can stay home and help. And then I'll grow old and be gross and sad and single like Edith. Fine. We'll get you a couple cats. No. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure it's like 100% like that, but it's definitely been a thing where I guess, I guess let me ask because you have this idea for a life you want to live. And then, uh, as part of that, he's been trying to get you to live this other life, but then some of that stuff has stopped because it's like, got to take care of the mom. Uh, so I guess, how does Claudia feel about, you know, her potential future being closer to what she wants as opposed to what her parents want? Well, I mean, more excited. I, we Secretly, we plan on running away, but these guys don't know that, and they're, I'm not going to tell them. To help with my mom, because I love her, and that would give me, you know, a, a lot of sadness to leave her, but... I, I can't. I'm not going to be a nursemaid forever. Of course not. That's something that losers do. Even though losers is like way ahead of uh, parlance for the time. Old maid. I just don't want to be an old maid. And that would never happen to you with the way that you and your beau are, uh, are planning things out. So the professor will uh, the professor will finish what he's doing, and then to answer the question at hand, he'll say, "There's Claudia has been gaining her fair share of suitors, but there is finishing school first, and then, well, we'll see what decisions can be made. And he just gives you a smile that is reminiscent of a conversation that you guys have had on multiple times, I am sure. I kind of like visibly deflate a little bit because it's just not going to work out the way I think I want things to. That's why you have your plan. 
Yeah, I was hoping that, you know, things would be different, but they're not. Well, you know, if worse comes to worth, worse, <clears throat> if worse comes to worst, Edith can always take her under her wing at the convent. There is always room for God's children there. I choke on my plum pudding. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you very much, Reverend. He's just got a big dumb smile on his face like, I'm doing good. I'm so good at this. <laughs> and Cecil will roll his eyes and take another sip. As the plum pudding comes to a close and everybody gets uh, gets their plates taken away, there is a small coffee service. And um, I, I don't know if they would have anything else that uh, Geraldine would make anything available to people that they wanted or needed, but you are left alone for a little while with just the family, coffee, wine, brandy, the after-dinner things. Which, if nobody has anything to talk about, the Commodore is prepared to, this, to make announcements. I don't, I don't think Emmanuel's got anything else. Um, when the plum pudding came around, he took a a small slice, and then at some point, it went away, but whether or not he ate it is something else entirely. But, you know, his his napkin covered his plate when it was taken away. Cecil took a big, a big breath after having, you know, finished his food, and he'll finish his wine, and lean back and kind of, like, rub his stomach as he uh, prepares, to t- prepares to take coffee. Uh, Edith is still working on that glass of wine. It's the first glass? Yeah. Okay. It's just one big glass. That's all. Wasn't sure if she went back for seconds. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's that one of those half candles. bottle glasses. <laughs> no. It's a sangria pitcher. <laughs> oh, I miss sangria. Oh. Um. With his brandy in his hand, that he has slowly been sipping or drinking at, the Commodore will. Uh, not so much call for or ask for attention, but his presence just kind of turns on and looms over the table a little bit as he has seen fit to to talk about the things that he wants to talk about now. Everyone else has had their opportunity, and now it is the Commodore's turn. With a little shake, he does stand up with his drink in his hands. I want to thank all of you for for coming this year to Christmas. It's been something that my, my dear Dorothy has been looking forward to for months. She gives a little smile and a curtsy, kind of kind of heading up, Bob. This year is a little, a little special, a little different. There's something that I need to say that the most recent of events have begun to to weigh heavily upon my heart and my mind. And with those things in heart and in mind, I've had to make some changes. And he has a little little cough or stutter as he is making this proclamation. Uh, to, uh, to my last will and testament. And what are people's initial reactions to that statement? Emmanuel's going to raise an eyebrow 
and he's going to lean forward a little bit when the Commodore coughs, because going between, oh yes, changes to the last will and testament, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's going on here? He's starting, he, he's wary. Hmm. Cecil will give a soulful nodding. Hmm. Uh, Edith actually looks uh, a little hopeful. That's probably the wine doing that. But she thinks, oh, maybe changes mean she's going to get money and she won't She won't have to stay in the convent. Well, you know, those they say God works in mysterious ways, right? Right? And Claudia is nonplussed because everything will work out fine. That's her great-grandpapa. He would never write her out of his will. Of course not. He would never do such a thing. He goes on. I know that many of you have not been able to wait for me to, to pass on so that you can get your hands on what I have made here. Gestures briefly to the the house and the estate around himself. But it has been in my twilight years here that I have truly had the time to to think and reflect on the life and the legacy that I will be leaving this world. When he says legacy, he looks only the briefest of moments to Cecil and then a little bit longer to Michael and then to Emmanuel and then finally to Claudia and Edith before resting his eyes on the reverend. And from there, he continues with a the reverend and I have been in um, correspondence for some time now, and he motions with his glass towards Edith, mostly in regards to securing Edith's future. Come the new year, an updated version of my will will be given to the, the family lawyers to be arbitrated upon my death that the majority of the holdings in the estate will be left to the church, the school in the city, meaning Miskatonic, with a stipend for my son, he says with a little disdain to his voice, and my good wife, Dorothy. The staff will be paid a severance until they can find gainful employment elsewhere, and he looks at Emmanuel before looking away from Emmanuel and looking to Michael, because clearly Michael needs house staff because Deirdre has deteriorated to such a point. And Emmanuel, well, he needs a wife because clearly he doesn't have one. With that, he looks around the room just as a quick little read of things to gauge people's thoughts and expressions on this announcement. Emmanuel has there. There's a, a conflict of emotion here. One, he's more than a little shocked that the Commodore is signing pretty much the whole estate off to uh, the Church and Miskatonic. But there is a not insignificant part of this expression that's just this deep pleasure that Dorothy and Cecil are going to be turned out on the street and are not going to be coddled for the rest of their lives. Edith looks deflated. Uh, yeah, the church gets the money. 
great. Cecil is just uh, has just the face of a. <laughs> he, he looks. He, Cecil looks like Emmanuel does when he talks about the war. He kind of goes away. Uh, Papa, what does that what does that mean for my horses? My initial thought was something about a friend that runs a glue factory, but you know, I'm not a terrible person. I just figured, well, they're just going to be cooked. But <laughs> right. I was going to say, it's like, if you're not going to say it, Emmanuel will. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, no. They're either going to the university or the glue factory, my dear. Apologies. Claudia just looks completely stricken, horrified. Now my whole life is over. That includes the estate, grandfather. All this here. In parts, yes. Why the change? Uh, he gives you a look and says, you're questioning with what I do with what I have made of this family. Manuel uh, sits there for a second. What do you want me to roll? Uh, you're welcome to roll just like psychology or if there is a role you think is appropriate to try and figure out what could uh, have caused this change of heart, or if you have anything else that you think would be an appropriate role, I'm also happy to take that. Um, do, 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 do. No. Uh, it could be a couple of things. It could be something as simple as maybe the estate is not worth as much as it used to be. You know, times have changed. Things have been thrown into chaos with prohibition. So maybe there's not as much money here as there used to be. It could be outstanding debts. It could be uh, that he has spent money elsewhere that have not borne fruit. Uh, it could be that he is afraid of dying and is trying to buy his way into heaven. Emmanuel think is the last one. There are a lot of things that it could be. So Emmanuel will will actually put his hands on the table and he will stand looking at the Commodore and says, yes, grandfather, I am questioning this even after all you have done for this family. If you feel that God is going to save your mortal soul, then let me tell you from personal experience that God does not exist because if he did, the psalm would not have happened. Verdun would not have happened. Um, you know, Father, maybe... A consultation, uh, you know, maybe some experts. I, I'm sure I can get someone at the at the university who could really help review some of these decisions you've made. Why don't you ask the shoemakers' union, Cecil? So that, so what? You're just gonna rage at everyone? The Commodore has fixed Emmanuel with a steely gaze. Uh, are you trying to are you trying to dice the Commodore in some fashion? Uh, gosh. I like rolling dice. Uh, you know he what? He's he, he's going to throw an intimidate. Excellent. Let's let's have it. Oh, brief math makes it. Uh, Nine would make that a hard success. I don't know if he feels really that much luck. Um, you know what? What is what is luck if not a resource to be spent? Let's let's drop that nine and bring it up to hard. As you stare him down, and he stares you down in return, uh, you'll notice beads of sweat begin to 
form on his brow. He's it's taking a lot of concentration and effort for him to look as strong as he's trying to look right now with things like standing with things like making the speech without having problems. Like you caught him having a cough or something in the middle of that. But his health is just struggling a little bit. And as you lay down this this law in his eyes, this this insult, um I am prepared for him to have just a I have spoken and turn and leave like Absolutely. You know, no, if, else, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to get out of it before that happens. No. No. He's he's ignoring Cecil and Dorothy right now. They're not family. They're they're interlopers. But Emmanuel's gonna be damned if the Commodore is gonna give away the ancestral home. That is that is birthright. Yeah, that is that is land and inheritance has been passed down before and has been passed down presumably to him. Uh, so he simply, I have already made my decision, and my decision is final as head of this household. And he puts down his glass with some enthusiasm. His hand wobbles a bit. You can see his his fingers and it taking a, a toll on him, the stress of the situation. And he will push back on his chair and begin to leave. Dorothy, his his new wife, is attempting to calm the situation. Now, now, gentlemen, there's no need for for all of this. It's Christmas, and the manual will turn and like he's gonna follow the commodore out. It's like we are not done with this discussion, and he's just gonna flat out leave again. He's ignoring Dorothy. He's ignoring Cecil. He has nothing to do with the reverend. Like this, he did. He barely wanted to be at this meal. Now he's he's. He's going to get his answers. Does anybody else have any immediate responses to the situation as the Commodore begins to leave here and Emmanuel begins to follow? Cecil will look at his, uh, look at his mom, mom and say, Mother, what, 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 what? Am I hearing this correctly? Oh, how, how, what is the stipend? What, what does he mean by stipend? What, are, are there any particulars? What an absolute piece of shit! That in that situation, he's like, "How much money?" <laughs> I just, I just asked because you know, uh, my, my, you know, my, st- I want to finish my studies. I, I, I would hate to be pulled out if something were to happen, if the unthinkable were to happen. Uh, Edith or Claudia, do you have anything as they begin to leave? I want to roll something to not burst into absolute tears right now. Uh, I guess that'd be like a power roll. Constitution? Would that be close to composure? Uh, I don't know. Figure out what you want to roll, and then I'm happy to have you roll it. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're both the same, so okay. oh, we'll perfect. go constitution. Oh. Oh. The wailing begins. Just break down in tears my life is over they're gonna sell my horses for glue i'm never gonna get to marry wesley this is a nightmare you speak about marrying wesley in your i do not say that out loud i'm just <laughs> crying and <laughs> it's i just disgusting. wanted to make sure that in your uh your stress and the heartache that you feel that it, you know, that little secret doesn't come out. 
Because the scandal. I mean, I don't know. She did fail it. Maybe she yeah. does let it slip. She failed it, but she didn't like critically yeah. fail it. And okay. it was like an opt into role. So yeah. I'm happy to not like. Uh, actually, here here's a perfect way to sort of bring it up. Have you talked to your mom about your infatuations with Wesley? She knows that I like a boy and I showed her my locket. I don't think that in her state that would be enough to uh, for her to put that together. But as Claudia begins to wail, as Cecil begins to whine and complain and try to figure out his life, and Dorothy walks after Emmanuel, who is storming after the Commodore, Deirdre just begins to howl and laugh and cry and just it's a whole thing as she kind of the energy of the situation pushes her over the edge of holding things together. Uh, and I feel like that'll be a good end for th- this recording Oh, for now. Had a reaction. Uh, what about Edith? Edith had a reaction. I apologize, Edith. What is your your so reaction? Everybody to this? forgets about Edith. Well, that's I why mean, she's going to the convent so she can be <laughs> forgotten by everybody but God. All yeah, right, guys. we Art thought it was nuns the word. Life. Uh, <laughs> no, she's gonna uh, have that wine glass in her hand and she's gonna drain it and then in her slurry, drunkenly voice, it's easier for a camel get through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter to the kingdom of God. Oh, maybe he should die poor if he wants to get into heaven. Is she going to like throw the glass against the wall? Cause that would be amazing. I mean, she can. Sure. Why not? You... Throw it against the wall. Woo-hoo! Glass against the wall. Woo. Smashing glass everywhere. There is just a look on the reverend's face of like, this is not how he saw this going. But <laughs> then Edith breaks out with some, I don't know, near blasphemy. That's flat out scripture. Yeah. That was scripture. Yeah, well, that part I know. Well, but... the threat of, you know, maybe he should die a poor man if he wants to get into heaven. Yeah. That yeah. was basically wishing for someone's death. Uh, and with that, let me get rid of the boys. Uh, I know we're running close 